This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now from Studio B, your hosts, Jason Shepard and Dave McCann. What's up, everybody? BYU Sports Nation is live. We are your day-to-day play-by-play right here in Studio B. We are presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Today is Thursday, June 16th, 2000. And 22, thank you so much for joining us on the program today. My name is Jason Shepard, teamed up with the assistant to Russell Wilson's personal quarterback coach. He is Dave McCann. Isn't that a dream job? And, and hey, everybody, welcome to our Friday pregame show. That's what makes <laughs> Thursday so good. So Jake Heap, who played here, came as the number one recruit in the country, uh, is going from his job in Seattle as a radio host to be the personal quarterback coach uh, to the Denver Broncos for Russell Wilson. Not bad. Like It's my understanding that because obviously he's from Seattle and, yeah. and obviously Russell was there for so long that they had formed a relationship and, and Jake was actually like the lead quarterback coach at Russell Wilson's academy. So mm-hmm. they had this long-standing relationship and now going to Denver with so him. He made the announcement on his radio show, Seattle Sports ESPN 710. Yesterday, here's a little clip. I have resigned to pursue a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to coach Russell Wilson full-time and develop the next generation of quarterbacks. I am honestly thrilled to get the chance to focus full-time on coaching the game that I love at the highest possible level. So unlike George Costanza, who was the assistant to the traveling secretary, this is real stuff. This is happening. And and there's great expectation in Denver. uh, That might be to the demise of your Chiefs. We'll see. But there's great expectation in Denver because they got Russell Wilson, and now Russell Wilson's bringing his guns with him. Jake Heaps is one of them, so we wish him, we wish him the best. That would be the equivalent, I think, of one of us leaving these jobs to go be Charles Barkley's <laughs> broadcast coach. Uh, for, for the imagine NBA. the fun we would have if that were I actually. I think it'd a be thing. awesome. I think Jake, who I think kind of got a raw deal. Uh, he came in with expectation as a young kid, uh, more than, than anyone has ever come into the BYU program with. Um, it didn't work out. And uh, he got over it faster than a lot of the fans, especially the fans on the fringe that like to cause a lot of trouble dogging guys uh, for their lack of success on the field. And he took the brunt of that. And, and he's a bigger guy, and he's turned it around, and, and he's, he's, he's got a life in football. He came to school to get a job in football. You know what he's got? He's got a job with the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson in football. Nice job. Well, and we were having this conversation before we went on the air today. I have I, always been a fan of Jake Heaps. I liked my interactions with him. And I think one of the things that has really stood out to me after, and it goes along with what you were talking about, was just how quickly he was able to pivot when things didn't turn out the way he had wanted. And he's made a name for himself as a quarterback coach, obviously, but he's also one of those guys that, you know, he's been at ESPN up in Seattle for a couple of seasons and has really made a name for himself in the media industry. Yeah. So it's really cool to see him be able to pivot from one situation to the next and be successful each and every time. It's tough. And when guys come in with all those accolades, Ben Olsen, another one, mm-hmm. you almost feel like you want to apologize before they start. Yeah. Because it's really got to work out stup- stupendously yeah. uh, or there's going to be disappointment unfairly, uh, but that's that's what you get when you come in number one. All right, let's get to today's show lineup. Now, depending on what happens this season with BYU football, 
The Cougars could be putting together a three-year stretch for the ages. We'll discuss how it could compare to other stretches in BYU football history coming up in What's Trending. Tori McElhaney will join us to talk about Tyler Algier and his opportunity with the Atlanta Falcons. Tori covers the Falcons for AtlantaFalcons.com. Plus, new BYU Assistant Athletic Director for Football Academics, Jason Ayu stops by to talk about his new role and expectations for the upcoming football season. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. I just said stupendously. Is that even a word? Sure. Does it even apply to the usage that I put it in? I, you look, it worked for me. <laughs> Whether that means anything, I don't know. My mom's shaking her head somewhere. Clark Barrington was named a preseason first-team All-American by Phil Steele. Barrington was the only Cougar listed in Steele's uh, group. The junior played in 33 games in his last three seasons for BYU. He's part of what could be the best offensive line in school history. We will see, but that is a stacked bunch, and they are stacked deep. Michaela Clough, former BYU women's soccer superstar, received a call-up for the U23 U.S. national team. The United States will play friendlies against India and Sweden later in June. Congrats to Michaela. That's awesome. Former BYU soccer standout Elizabeth Busy Bowen joins the women's soccer staff as a volunteer assistant coach. She played for Coach Jen Rockwood from 2014 to 2017, worked as a volunteer assistant at the U this past spring. Cougars open the season August 13th at North Carolina. Former BYU women's basketball player Maria Albiero was selected to play in Brazil's LBF All-Star basketball game coming up on Sunday. Albiero has played in nine games for Blumenau, averaging 12 points, six rebounds, and five assists so far this season. She's going to be missed this year. Yes, she is. She was a point guard for a long, long time. A couple of Cougars made some noise in the minors last night. Daniel Schneeman had two hits, scored two runs for the Akron Rubber Ducks. You love that. That's awesome, the Rubber Ducks. Jackson Clough had a hit for the Harrisburg Senators. The Senators versus the Rubber Ducks. Who would you want to play for? I think you'd want to play for the Rubber Ducks. Well, I, look, Jeremy and I were having this conversation yesterday. The the pro, the promotional nights, the giveaways, <laughs> have got to be pretty amazing at the Rubber Ducks. It has to be. Yeah. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. All right, we touched on this just a second ago. BYU football has had quite the two-year stretch in terms of victories. In 2020, the Cougars went 11-1. and We all remember uh, how close they were to going undefeated in that season. Just a remarkable year. And then last year, BYU was 10-3. and So if we are in store for another 10-win season this year, well, actually, before we go any further, let's get to today's stat of the day. It'll help explain it. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU has won 10-plus games three seasons in a row, three times in BYU history. So to finish the thought that I was just mentioning, if BYU were to reach 10 wins this year, Dave, it would be just the fourth time in BYU football history that the Cougars would have won 10 or more games in three straight years. Pretty the good. The other stretches, these are the times where it's happened before. 79 through 81, 83 through 85, and then 06 through 09. So obviously that's a four-year stretch. Dave, which 10-win season streak to you is most impressive? Let's roll out the numbers. And because I think this is a great debate. Uh, let's go to 1979 through 1981. 79 with Mark Wilson. They went 11-1, 13th in the AP poll. 
in 80 with Jim McMahon. They went 12-1, first 12-win season, finished number 12. That was the theme of that season, and beat to SMU with the Hail Mary. 81, they went 11-2, finished number 13. So that's 34 wins, 4-1 and one against the P5s, and those two of those four, uh, five P5 games were in bowl games. So not much in the regular seasons, but those were great teams, and they won a lot of games. Go to 83 and 85, as Steve Young laments, they lost to Baylor <laughs> to open up 83. Then they go 11-1, and one, finish number seven, win the national championship in 84, 13-0. They come back. Robbie wasn't healthy with his shoulder. They still won 11 games, finished number 16. So that's 35 wins, 7-3 and three against the P5s with three of those games in bowl games. 2006 to 2009, shout out to David Nixon. Uh, Cougars won four years in a row winning 10 or more, 11 and 2 in 06, then 11 and 2 in 7, 10 and 3 in 8, and then 11 and 2 in 09. So 43 wins, 8 and 4 against P5s, win over Oklahoma in there, uh, and uh, Oregon State they beat uh, in the bowl game. Um, but not a lot, a lot of games, not a lot of P5s. Now let's go to 2020, 2021, and project what's coming up this year. 11 and 1 in 20 during the COVID season, yep. where uh, you got to give that team more credit for going 11-1 and one, uh, just because of how they had to do it. And, and playing the, the a game two days before. Getting tested all the time. <laughs> yeah. Not knowing if you're going to have an opponent the day after. Uh, and then 10-3 and three last year, uh, number 19 in the AP poll, but 6-1 and one against the P5s. So 21 wins, 6-1 and one against P5s. Arizona was the only one with a losing record. And then they've got Notre Dame, Baylor, Oregon, Arkansas, and Stanford on this year's schedule as far as P5s. So... So where do you fall on this? Which stretch to you is most impressive? Well, I think the, the, the national championship stretch stands alone. The, the earlier stretch with, uh, you know, Wilson, McMahon, uh, th- that's, that's an incredible run. Uh, Nixon's group, you know, four years in, in double figures. Um, but I went to, okay, who'd they play? How many P5s? And that's why we listed the, the number of P5s. And, and I'm going to go, if BYU can go 3-2 and two against P5s this year, maybe even 4-1, and one, depending on how Notre Dame and Arkansas go, um, I would say this stretch. This stretch is of, of 20 with COVID, 21 and 22. You've got a national pandemic, and then you've got more P5s than any of the other teams played, even counting the four years of that run with Nixon's group. So... I know what you're going to do, and I'm going to let you take the platform here, but I'm thinking where they are right now and where they can go this season, they have an opportunity to trump the other three. See, I love topics like this because it's so subjective. It's based off of what you put the most importance on. Is it the teams that you faced? Is it the the level of opponent? Is it ultimately the number of wins that you had over the three-game stretch? I'm going with what you said was certainly a a three-year stretch that stands alone, and that's the 83 through 85. In my mind, nothing can trump if during the three-year stretch you win a national championship. If during that three-year stretch the end goal is being the best team in college football, that's the three-year stretch. And you mentioned the the wins 11 and 1 13 and 0 obviously the championship year and then 11 and 3 then you have the quarterbacks that you had who just 
historically good with Steve Young in 83 and then Robbie Bosco and what he was able to do injured. Look, and the other part about it is we talk so much about 84, and I, and I know that there's been a lot of people that said they think 83 was even the better team. Yeah. Look, and let's— and 79 might have been the best team ever. So I, I just—I can't go away from the 83 to 85 stretch because you get 35 wins— you win a national championship. At the end of the day, like I could, it's like a mic drop. You win the national championship. Done. That's an awesome stretch. You can't argue with, with that stretch. I'm, I, I, I'm in the here and now, and the here and now is BYU's on the cusp of becoming a P5, joining the Big 12. They're playing they're, they're 21 and 4 over the last 25 games. Blaine um, Fowler wants to know why you're discounting his time here. I, I, I'll deal with Blaine <laughs> later. Uh, but, but, I, but the, the, Quality of the opponent, and uh, and 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 the quality of the athlete. Yeah, I mean BYU is a P5 school now, heading into the Big 12. Um, they are the kind of team that BYU dreamed of playing against during all those runs. How can we get a P5? Well, we can get to this team. They're you know the Michigan game and the Holiday Bowl was awesome, but Michigan was six and five coming in. It wasn't uh, Ohio State um, that BYU played in the Citrus Bowl uh, and and should have beaten, but. Um, I, I just love where they're at now and with the schedule, which they did not have back then. If McMahon and Young and Wilson and Bosco had this year's schedule, I would love to see how that would play out. And I would, I would like our chances because I like BYU's chances with a healthy Jaron Hall. But those guys just didn't have that opportunity. They're playing in the WAC in the Mountain West, uh, the dark ages of the mountain where, where uh, most of BYU's games were hidden from the rest of the country, uh, th that was erased because all of BYU's games are on ESPN in, in Independence, yeah. uh, or at least most of them. Um, and so, great debate. I, I just I think they've got an opportunity to seize it this year with five more P5s coming. Well, and I think the fact that the current stretch we're in, and again, we'll have to see how it plays out this upcoming season because if they don't get the 10 wins, then the three-year stretch... It, oh, it, yeah. it, they got they, work to do. They've got work to do, but for the sake of argument... Let's say that they can do it. I, I think then the fact that we're talking about that type of stretch and comparing it to seasons like the other seasons we've talked about really puts it into perspective how high a level the football that we've seen played has been over the last couple of years. That this is, I don't want to say it's a renaissance because BYU has consistently been good in you know, winning eight games, eight, nine games. Uh, and certainly under Bronco, I mean, they were winning eight, nine games just about every year. But I, I, I hope people realize what we're witnessing right now in terms of BYU football history, just how good the program is at this point. That we're comparing it to some of these other ones, I think, speaks for itself. And remember, the war drums leading into last season. Uh, was uh, this is the toughest schedule in BYU football history. And you're losing the number two overall pick in the NFL draft. Right. And then after last season ended, the drums began, and it's like, well, now this is the toughest yes. in school history. Uh, those same arguments can't be made uh, back in the day during those amazing runs by those other teams. So different place, different kind of athlete, different expectation, yeah. um, but a great debate because uh, – uh, a lot of programs can't have that debate. Yeah. We're Which talking of the best of the four or this yes. or the one thirty. We're talking about games. a lot of wins, and that's fun for BYU fans. Regardless of the generation that you've watched, you've had a stretch where you've saw BYU win a lot of football games, and that's what's fun about this program. Yeah, I'm putting it on Puka and Jaron <laughs> and Brooks and all those guys to uh, make my case. When we have this conversation again in December, we'll yeah. go, yeah. 
this is it, or now let's go back to the 83, 84, 85 awesome group. All right, our question of the day, staying with this topic. Assuming BYU wins 10 games in 2022, which streak of 10 win seasons is the most impressive in BYU football history? Let's hear from you, BYU Sports Nation, here in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. All right, before we get to some of the responses, we do have a poll up on Twitter and on Instagram. So we'll start with the results of the Twitter poll. Right now, uh, 83 through 85 is leading uh, pretty significantly. They have more than half of the vote at 524 Hey, look, until the ballots come in from Florida. <laughs> All precincts are not, you know, not yet in. Uh, 35% <laughs> agree with you, Dave. It's 2021. That, those are the two most popular answers. You know, 609 is kind of getting dogged here. Yeah. You deserve better than that. Yeah, 11.6. Matter of fact, 79 and 81, you deserve better than that too. <laughs> yeah, 1.2% on the Twitter poll. Now, now it's, it's always interesting to me the differences between the Twitter and the Instagram poll. A lot of smarter people are oh, on Instagram. Oh, boy. Okay. Instagram poll. The 53%, so almost the exact same percentage that had 83 through 85 on the Twitter poll, are going for 20 through 22. I think the scheduling matters to them. But it, again, it's 1 2 either way. Uh, 83 through 85 at 31%, 2006 through 2009 is at 12%, and then 3% for 79 through 81. That's awesome. Uh, our first response on Twitter. Uh, let's see, says, uh, any streak that includes a national championship has to be the most impressive. Maybe uh, that could have been my tweet, too. Uh, also on Twitter, uh, Brandon Borgett, uh, probably 83 through 85, there's a natty in there, but 20 through 22 probably has the toughest opponents to what you said, Dave. I'll change my answer to 2022 if BYU makes and wins a New Year's Six game this year. Man. Like, put restrictions right, on it already. Throwing it down. It's so greedy. Chime in on our question of the day. You can also vote on the poll. Always use hashtag BYUSN on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Instagram folks are really pulling it through today. <laughs> Coming up, what movie or TV show should BYU use for inspiration for future uniforms? This is going to be fun. And Stranger Atlanta, things have happened. <laughs> and Atlanta Falcons beat writer Tori McElhaney joins us to talk about Tyler Algier and his fit with the Atlanta Falcons so far. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Check out Deep Blue Volume 3 featuring Alex Barcelo, Cody Figger, Gideon George, and others tomorrow at noon Eastern time right here on BYU TV and on BYU Radio. I saw Cody Figure yesterday as I was uh, I picked up some lunch driving back to the building and saw saw Cody walking uh, walking along the uh, the Did side he of the wave road. To you? I stopped. I slowed the car down. I said hello. It's very we talked friendly for guy. a second. Check it out. Great deep blues. We are live in Studio B with your day to day BYU sports play by play. He's Dave McCann. My name is Jason Shepard, and we are so happy to be joined by Tori McElhaney. Tori covers the Atlanta Falcons for AtlantaFalcons.com. She joins us now on BYU Sports Nation. Tori, thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm good. How are y'all? We are doing great, and uh, I love the y'all. Uh, I am a sucker for a southern <laughs> accent. I could listen to it all day, so I appreciate you bringing it right out of the gate. 
Oh, you know, it, y'all is just in my everyday vernacular. It just is. Very, look, there's nothing, there is nothing it just wrong. just rolls off the tongue. It certainly does. It certainly does. So <laughs> so obviously we want to talk a lot about Tyler Algier. And, and I guess uh, you, you, you did a piece on him, which we'll certainly get into more as the interview goes along. But I'm curious just your overall impressions of Tyler after talking to him and being around him for a little while. Yeah, he is a very um, humble guy for him to be such like a a tough runner. I, I think it was one of my colleagues called him a, a bowling ball with spikes. And for him to be a bowling ball with spikes like out on the football field, to, but to just be like a good guy, humble guy off the field. He even paid a compliment to you guys yesterday and said that y'all would take good care of me coming on here. So I, honestly, it's it's been very, very interesting to get to know him. And I know all, the BYU Nation is is very proud of, of Tyler Algier. Well, BYU fans uh, love Algier, uh, and they, they kind of grew the relationship because he was a linebacker in special teams and then mm -hmm. came into uh, the running back spot due to some injuries, and then he just, he just never left. But uh, his toughness and uh, his um, – and, and, and you've pointed it out too in, in your work his, – his ability to get stronger as the game goes on and to wear mm -hmm. teams down to where in the second half no one really wants to tackle him. That was something that came up when I was talking to scouts and when I was talking to the position coaches, um, it, it, just talking about, I, I think the direct quote was from Michael Petrie, who is the Falcons running backs coach. And he said, he was like, they really have to make a business decision. You talk about defenders tackling Tyler Algier. They have to make a business decision in the second half to be like, you know what, do I conserve energy or do I really go after these guys? And that's something that came up a couple of times in every interview that I did. In your piece, and I thought uh, it was it was very well done, there's a line in there that stood out to me when you wrote, he's a bowling ball that knows exactly where the pins are. Now that's written mm -hmm. by someone who's been in the bowling lanes before and knows exactly uh, what how that all works. But explain the, the metaphor back to Algier and his skill set from what you've observed. Yes, yeah, so it, it, it all goes back, honestly, to his football IQ in that year of playing linebacker. That was something that the Falcons were very interested in. They very much value versatility in every aspect of the game. And so having a running back who has a year's worth of experience playing linebacker at this level was very – it was something that was very intriguing for the Falcons because they did feel like you saw how Tyler Algier took – that year of playing linebacker and transformed it into the way that he attacks the run game and, and how he knows and understands fits and fronts and where blitz attacks are coming from and where to pick up guys. It was very, very interesting when you're talking to the Falcons in that they saw the value of that in, in his overall football IQ. You know, Toria, this is not just an NFL thing. This is any sport. When you get to a situation where you're talking about guys getting drafted or bringing players into a situation, it's as much about how good they are. I mean, that's certainly, you know, everybody's going to take a look at that. But it's as much about fit and opportunity as it is about what they actually bring to the field or the court. In terms of Tyler Algier, when he got drafted by the Falcons, I thought, man, this is a really, really good opportunity for him. What type of opportunity do you feel he has in Atlanta? 
Yeah, I actually think he has a pretty good opportunity, especially when you're looking at that he's kind of getting in on the ground floor of this overall transition that's happening in Atlanta with Arthur Smith taking over play calling. And I, I do think that it's going to be really interesting to see because I think right now when you look at the Atlanta Falcons backfield, it does look a little crowded. And, and I think you you look at Cordero Patterson as the guy who's going to be taking the brunt of the load. But when you look at someone like Cordell Patterson, he's not your traditional running back. Tyler Algier kind of is. And so you want to be able to use Cordell Patterson in a number of ways. And I think because of that, it opens the door for someone like Tyler to kind of get some good live reps in his very first year. Visiting with Tori McElhaney, AtlantaFalcons.com. Now, uh, BYU fans aren't gamblers for the most part, but we do play fantasy football. So where should Algier be in our fantasy football drafts after what you've seen and what you just said? I think it'll be – I feel like I'll be able to give you guys a better answer <laughs> of that when we get to training camp. Right now in minicamp, it's really hard to see kind of what that rotation is really going to look like, especially with Cordero Patterson not being out on the field. So – and they're not necessarily going – full 100% at all. So have me back on in August, and I think I'll be able to give you a better answer then. All right, well, we're booking that. Well, right. I, I may follow up an unanswerable <laughs> question with another unanswerable question for a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned, but can you see a scenario that at some point this year, Tyler Algier could be a starting running back for the Falcons? Is that too far-fetched to even think about? Hey, now, before you answer, Tori, Steve Young told us that he believes by week three. Okay. Okay. I honestly, I don't think that's too far fetched to, to think that he couldn't go out and carry the brunt of the load. Uh, I think when it comes to Arthur Smith's overall scheme, uh, it, it's, I sometimes put less weight on who's the starting offense because he does have so many packages that he uses personnel packages and all of that kind of stuff. It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, they run Tyler Algier out there on the very first play in week four, but he's not necessarily your quote unquote starter, if that makes sense. You know, I, I think when it comes to how Arthur Smith operates in this offense, that's it, it wouldn't surprise me how how Tyler Algier's overall scope of where he's going and what he's doing in year one changes from week to week. We got two big stories out of BYU at the NFL. Zach Wilson going to the lowly Jets and Algier going to the lowly Falcons. We'll leave the Jets for Zach, and we'll talk to him about that. But what about the Falcons and this, this program that Algier is now a part of? Uh, what trajectory are they on, and can they get good? Yeah, it's, it, that's a great question, and it's one a lot of Falcons fans ask on the daily. Uh, it's, we really are in the very, very early stages of a transition for the Falcons. There, when Terry Fonda and Arthur Smith first got in here last year, they were kind of looking at a very uphill battle in terms of getting right by the salary cap. You're slowly starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and they will be able to have the opportunity in 2023 to really build kind of what they want to. They'll actually have the money to do that. So you are seeing the Falcons on a it's not a super, super exciting trajectory in 2022, but I keep telling people, like, look at the bigger picture, how much money they're going to have towards the cap, how they're going to be able to utilize their first two draft classes, which does include Tyler, and how they develop these two classes into 
a, a team in 2024, 2025. So it, it's a long process. I think AJ Terrell said it best. He was like, I consider this a marathon, not a sprint for the organization. And I do think that's how I view it as well. Look, every team's going to want to have a balance of run and pass. But with Matt Ryan no longer in Atlanta, now with the Colts, do you feel like there will be more reliance on the running game or are, are, the, are the offensive coaches in Atlanta, are they confident enough, whether it's Mariota, whether it's the, the, the rookie Ritter, that, that they can continue the passing attack that they've had to where you don't necessarily feel you need to rely on the running game more? Does that make sense? Yes, no, that makes total sense. I, I do think that the goal is all the time to be balanced offensively. And I think it goes to show how much weight they're still putting on the pass game, whether it is Mariota or whether it is Ritter, by going out and getting Drake London with the number eight overall pick. And they got Kyle Pitts with the number four overall pick last year. The pass game is still very, very important to them and their entire operation. I just think now having a very mobile quarterback in a way that you didn't have that with Matt Ryan before with Marcus Mariota, potentially, I think that is where you add another layer. You have a quarterback that can take it out of the pocket to be completely honest and, and kind of pick up four yards if he needs to. So I, I do th nothing against Matt Ryan, who we, we like to call Maddie Wills, but I, I will say, I do think Marcus Mariota is probably a little bit faster and a little bit more athletic in, in terms of that, in that terms. Um, so overall, I think when you look at the balance of the offense, that's always what they're going to try and get. Hey, Tori, speaking of fast athletic quarterbacks, and the last question for you, how happy are the Falcons to see Taysom Hill moving from quarterback to tight end for the Saints? I'm sure they're over the moon. It's funny <laughs> because uh, they are uh, – he's been so interesting for the Falcon, against the Falcons over the last couple of years because they've seen him in so many different roles, and it's almost like you never exactly know what he's going to provide <laughs> the, the Falcons um, in a game. But it's funny, too, because uh, I, I saw something the other day. The Falcons have Felipe Franks uh, essentially converting to tight end right now, and someone said – Taysom Hill walked so that Felipe Franks could fly, and I thought that was the funniest tweet of this offseason so far. <laughs> that, is, that is awesome. Great answer. Thank you. Tori, great stuff. The piece was phenomenal. For those that haven't uh, checked it out, go to AtlantaFalcons.com, and you can read Tori's piece on Tyler Algier. We appreciate you taking a few minutes today. Thank you for joining us. We will certainly have you on again. Yeah, in August, right? <laughs> Yes, in August. I'll, I'll be able to talk all about depth chart then. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you, Tori. We appreciate it. Have a great day. Y'all too. There we go. Tori McElhaney covering the Falcons for AtlantaFalcons.com. That's great. I feel bad for Jason Ayu because somehow he's got to top that <laughs> interview. And he's sitting right over here thinking about what he's going to say. So That's right. He that's is coming up, up right? Bet. What else is coming up? BYU's best chance to win the Bolitnikoff Award currently on the roster, or did he already play for the Cougs? Yeah, this is going to be fun. We'll talk about that coming up in The Whip. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you by Marisk, enabling global trade for a growing world. This is BYU Sports Nation to interact with the show and get great content throughout the day. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. That's Brother McCann. I'm Brother Shepard. Let's whip it. <laughs> 
Here's Whip Around presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. I saw, I saw Devo in concert in Vegas. Mm-hmm. So when they played Whip It, you know, it's like, these guys still got it. My uh, my oldest son wears a Devo t-shirt. And I'm like, you know. That's vintage. Very retro. That's old school. Very retro. 24-7 Sports released a list of the top 10 biggest trap games in college football this season. And they include BYU and Notre Dame on that list as a trap for the Irish. So what's BYU's biggest trap game this season? You know what? I was actually looking over the uh, the schedule and, tr- and trying to come up with what I thought was was the biggest trap game. And it's not like this team is somebody you would ever take lightly because it's an in-state team, but because it's the game before Notre Dame, I yeah. went Utah State. Because look, look, it's at home. Right. Obviously, we, we've had a lot of success over Utah State. This certainly it's should conference be, weekend. Yeah, it, it certainly should be a, a, another victory for BYU, but I, I went Utah State because it's right before Notre Dame. That's where I landed. I agree with you because it's also right before Arkansas. You got Notre Dame and then yep. Arkansas back-to-back weeks, and you have Utah State on on a Thursday night on ESPN. That's the one I'd circle as, hey, be ready for those guys. All right, Fox Sports put out a graphic showing which teams have had a player win the Davey O'Brien Award, the Doak Walker Award, and the Bolitnikoff Award. Only three teams have won all three. BYU has won two of those. They're only missing the Bolitnikoff Award. Is Puka BYU's best chance to win the Bolitnikoff since Austin Colley, who we thought came the closest to it? How about throw Heisman in there, too, and get BYU in another circle? Uh, Austin Colley was spectacular in 2008. Uh, He wasn't even named a finalist, which is a a sham. Over 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns. Uh, Michael Crabtree won it from Texas Tech. He only had four more touchdowns than than Colley, and and Texas Tech was throwing it everywhere. Puka's got an opportunity, so does Gunner. They have an opportunity against a national schedule on national TV to make the kind of waves necessary to win these kind of awards. I do not want to make sweeping high expectation comments, but I think Puka Nakua has a chance to be one of the best, if not the best receiver to ever come through this program. I agree. I, I think he's that good, so I will not put it past him. I absolutely think that he is BYU's best chance to get that right now. There's no doubt in my mind. Well said. As mentioned in the headlines, Clark Barrington was named a Phil Steele preseason first-team All-American. Uh, where was Blake Freeland on this list? Yeah, where was Blake Freeland? This is a guy that a lot of people think could be picked in the first 15 to 20 picks of the upcoming NFL draft. Yeah, yeah, BYU's line is Look, and that's, that's not saying, that's not taking away anything from Clark Barrington. Clark absolutely belongs on here. We were just surprised that there weren't multiple players, certainly Freeland being the other guy. It's going to be fun to watch them run against South Florida. Yeah. All right, this one's fun. Uh, by the way, are you a Stranger Things fan? Do you, have you watched it? Do you even know what we're talking about? I know what we're talking about, okay. but that doesn't mean I watch. Okay. Well, first <laughs> of all, you need to watch it. It's really good. All right. Uh, the Indiana Fever of the WNBA have custom Stranger Things uniforms because Stranger Things is based uh, out of the great state of Indiana, Hawkins, Indiana, which I believe is a made-up town. I don't believe it actually exists. So this got us thinking, what movie or TV show would you like to see BYU-themed uniforms? I think it's for? a no-brainer. I'd like him to see uh, after further review. <laughs> oh, shame. A picture of Blaine on one side <laughs> and a picture of Nixon on the other. And where are you? Smiling. Uh, I wouldn't be on the helmet. Uh, You'd be on, you could be on the, maybe you could do a, that's where we could bring the bib back and you could be in the middle I of the bib. I could be the bib. Or, or you could just say Tuesdays at 7 Eastern. Uh, by the way, uh, July 26th, that's just around the corner, 
less than six weeks away. Uh, we have a one-hour special on Tyler Algier's run to history as our season premiere for After Further Review. The guy loves to So anyway, that's what I'd do. Okay. What, what would you do? Um, here's what I my, – my, my justification is, like, what's – from a social media standpoint, what's garnered a lot of attention over B, for BYU over the last couple of years? It's been dancing. Kalani on the sideline has been remarkable. It's fantastic. Yeah. And then Cosmo with the Cougarettes. That right. got obviously so much traction. So I'm going to say, how about, so you think you can dance themed uniforms for BYU? You see okay. where I'm going with this? I, I see the theme. I, I, don't know how it, I don't know how it translates to a jersey, but I, I love where you're going with it. I got what's coming up. <laughs> Results to our poll question of the day, which is a pretty good one. Yeah, when he, clearly you're going to be favoring the Instagram versus but, the Twitter. Yeah, a lot because of the they smart agree with you. Instagram. Yeah, That's and funny. BYU Assistant Athletic <laughs> Director for Football Academics, Jason Ayu, what? is in the house. Speaking of dancing. He's part of the thing. Wait, there he is. There he is. There he is. <laughs> he will join us coming up next. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us next Wednesday for a two-hour special of BYU Sports Nation at BYU Football Media Day. Interviews with head coach Kalani Sataki, quarterback Jaron Hall, athletic director Tom Homo. That's at noon Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Following State of the Union, State of the Program, State of the Union, at nine o'clock here local time, it's going to be a big day next Wednesday. And I'm handling the web. Day. I'm handling the web chats for two and a half hours from noon to two thirty on BYUtv.org. That's tough work. Too. We got you That's covered. We got you covered all day long. If you're into the coops, <laughs> be into us on Wednesday. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. He is Dave McCann. My name is Jason Shepard, and joining us now, happy to have BYU Assistant Athletic Director for Football Academics, Jason Ayu, joining us here in Studio B. Jace, I saw you at the uh, Cubs football camp there a couple go. of days yep. ago. It's good to have you in studio. I appreciate it. Thank you for giving me all the heat. Camps was, uh, <laughs> Got it. It's hot out camps there. Camps have been a little crazy. We had unbelievable turnout. And so. Our yeah. beat writer from the Falcons was on earlier, told us it was what, 99%? She, she said 90, yeah, 99 like degrees, and then with the humidity, it felt like it was like 104. Oh, yeah, so we got, we got yeah. that going. We got a yeah, dry yeah. heat over here. We got here the dry heat like over that. here. <laughs> Jason's happy because there's two Jasons on the show now. It is. So I don't, you, do, you feel, do you feel left out a little bit? Well, I'm in the middle, so I don't feel left out <laughs> per se. But uh, but I do. I am interested in your opinion on our poll question. Mm -hmm. uh, so you've got three groups of teams that have won ten games or more for three straight seasons, and and won 06 to 09, won four, and BYU is on the cusp of that this year if they can get to ten wins. So which is the most impressive of those four? Oh, this, this one right now. Yeah, this season right now. Yeah, but but obviously I'm part of that team, so I'm going <laughs> to say that and with our staff, but. Uh, I also like the strength of schedule. I think we've played a very competitive, competitive uh, schedule the last few years, and so I'm definitely going with. I think that's a great, uh, a great answer. What do you think, Chef? Well, again, I went with when you win a national <laughs> championship, it's sort of a mic drop. But you know, Jason, we were having this made this point earlier. The fact that we can talk about multiple eras of BYU football, it's where it's this, that speaks to the health Absolutely. of the program overall. Absolutely, that's incredible. That's an incredible accomplishment. And so it's great because I was part of recruiting, and that's a big part of our tradition, and it's a real live tradition that's currently ongoing. So it's, it's an, an awesome spokespiece to say, be able to share. Well, and we'll, we'll get, into, get into some recruiting a little bit because you mentioned, you, you know, obviously that was, that was your position, but you have a new position now. We mentioned it, uh, assistant AD for football academics. What's been the biggest change 
for you with the new role? Kind of explain what you're doing now. Well, you know, my very first my first four years here at BYU, I was the academic liaison mm -hmm. for football, and so I was very familiar with Trevor and all the and all the people, the happenings over there. Uh, Kalani asked me to take over recruiting for a couple of years, which I did, and now I'm back into the academic side, which is is awesome. It's a great step forward for the program with uh, with the Big 12 and expanding resources and allowing more full-time employees and more learning specialists, more mentors, and we have an incredible group up there. And I'm really excited to be able to be part of the ecosystem for the student-athlete and taking care of our guys and taking care of all the student-athletes here at BYU in particular. It's interesting because the, the, the time period we seem to be in is the uh, recruit comes to campus and wants to know what you can do for them mm -hmm. with an NIL deal and guaranteed playing time. And if I don't like it, I just might leave. Mm -hmm. But your whole side is we want to get you educated and send you out with a degree as well. So you got to find a balance in this, this new kind of wave of thinking, don't mm -hmm. you? Yeah, we're, our whole thing is very holistic. Our mindset is not on the money and the quick things right now, but we're trying to create better fathers, better men, better brothers, better husbands, and those things. And those things are all important to us. What they do on the field, what they do off the field, and their future is very important to the well-being of our student-athletes um, with the whole Built for Life and the things that we do, love and learn, our culture. And so it's much, much more than just an NIL deal, which I can get you right now. And if, if players are chasing that, um, maybe not a good fit for us here at BYU. If that's just what they're chasing. If that's just what they're chasing. And what parents love to hear in that sit-down with Kalani is everything you're talking about. So Absolutely. How can I make 100%. my son better? Yeah. Uh, as opposed, how can, I be, you know, how can I pay him right now? You can, you can actually get a little bit of everything now in college football, but your emphasis is we want him here for four years and we want him to, we want him to leave with a degree. Well, I am in a unique position where I have a son on the team. And so I'm looking at things from my, as a father perspective and what I would want for my son and the care and support that I would want him to have. And it's the long-term things. It's the careers after football. It's the spiritual support, the educational support, the athletic support, the medical support. All that plays into the role what I would want personally as a father. Um, yeah, but I don't. I don't know if I'd want my dad having access to my GPA. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust me, Jazz is doing fine, Dad. Just take that. Take that. <laughs> well, and look, like the the big topic that everybody's excited about, and it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, thing to ever happen to BYU is the invite to the Big Twelve. Mm -hmm. And you obviously, for, look, fans and us in the media, we can just enjoy the excitement of it. You guys have been behind the scenes since this happened, and there's so much work that has to go into getting not athletics ready for this. Give everybody an idea of what things have been like behind the scenes as you guys have really been working hard to get this athletic program ready to go in another season. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it started with Tom and and Liz and Brian and that whole senior leadership of, of, of preparing ourselves and what does that look like, going, going to uh, even the academic side, you know, even the, from the medical training side, what, do, what does that look like in other places? And how can we be a competitive? And now we have unbelievable resources. We have a, a huge football staff that I'm very blessed to be a part of just for academics. That's never been done before. And just that alone is exciting to see the step forward and, uh, you know, being part of the Big 12 made that happen you know, and opened up resources that we've never been able to have before. The last time uh, I interviewed you, I was writing down quotes for a, for a newspaper article mm -hmm. about recruiting. Um, and, and as you mentioned, you'd been uh, spearheading recruiting for the last few seasons. So where were you 
What were you doing when you got the call that BYU had been invited to the Big 12? Because you knew how big of a game changer that would be for recruiting moving forward. But do you remember where you were and, and, and did Kalani call well, you or how'd you find out? I was, I, I don't know exactly where I was, but we've been down this road before. 2015. 2015. Right? And so I was very reserved. Like I'm a, now I'm like, I need, I, I lack faith. I need to see it. <laughs> and, Come on, Thomas. You know, like I need to see it. Like, we were so close before. Um, but I just remember the excitement and I felt very, we felt like we'd done something together collectively as a football program, as all the sports were unbelievable, winning championships and so forth, competing. And then of course, with the direction of Tom Homo and President Vorking and President Worthen, it was just a. So it wasn't a call, wasn't a text, wasn't a tweet. It was just you just came to work. It was. Bub- I mean, we've today. been talking about it for a while as yeah. a staff and trying to keep the players down, you know. And like I said, we've been down this road before, and it was just kind of like you got the Utah game coming up. Done. There's yeah. a lot of things yeah. to focus on. Things are focused on. And if it happens, Klein did a really good job. Like, hey, there's a lot of things going on in the media. A lot of assignment. Let's just focus on the task at hand and. Whatever's supposed to happen will happen. That's the way our mindset was. Well, there's nobody more qualified to talk about the recruiting aspect of this whole thing than you because that's what you had, you've been doing. Mm-hmm. So give us the pre-Big 12 announcement versus the post-Big 12 announcement in terms of how recruiting has changed. Oh, recruiting. Uh, winning obviously trumps a lot of things. And we've been winning the last couple of years very consistently. Now that you have the Big 12 being invited to the Power Five, it checked the last box that most recruits were looking at, even top LDS recruits were looking at for us, do they, they don't play in the big dance, they don't play in the big conference, and now that box is checked, and we probably have more four-star, five-star, top three-star kids ever coming to visit our campuses all through spring ball than we've ever had before. And so we're indoors now, probably solid. I think most top LDS recruits would bring us in, but didn't really sit us down and have a real seat at the table. We have seats at the table now. Well, it took a sword away from your opponents, including one that's not very far from here. Mm-hmm. They can't say, well, they can't go to the biggest games. They can't say they don't go to the biggest games, and they can't say we don't put people in the NFL. And we've done both of those things in the yeah. last couple of years, and we're going to continue to do so. And the, and the program under Coach Sataki is we're, we're trending so high right now. It's awesome. Let's talk about Chaz, your son. Speaking of four stars, uh, one of the biggest signings of – uh, that had come to BYU out of Tempview High School, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and injuries have been in his face for so much. But but is it all behind him now? Is he is yes. he ready to? He's going to hit camp on August third, full bore. He'll be full bore, ready awesome. to go. He's had some injuries. He's bulked up. He's at two twenty right now, just so he can play. You know, last year when when Keenan got hurt, uh, they moved Chaz down from safety to play more backer role in the box, and he was only two oh eight. And so this year, we're prepared either way to go up, play down, play in the box, play outside the box. And he's about 220 right now, feeling really, really good. So, What does that put him at? Does that put him at linebacker, or does it put him There's a hybrid. safety? Yeah, it's hybrid safety. again, yeah. Depending on the personnel, if, yeah. he's a, if it's a 4-3, he'll play the strong safety. If he's a 3-4, he'll come down into the box. So what is the expectations? Obviously, look, the expectations are always going to be high. What's the feeling in – in the program, in the locker room with these guys heading into this season, which obviously will be the last as, mm-hmm. a, as an independent. I, we feel super excited about the team, about the program, about the players that we have. The, the, we have a lot of veteran leadership that's played a lot of games together. Um, and so as long as they stay healthy, we'll be, we're 
ecstatic. I don't want to. I, I mean, I'm in academics now, so I can brag as much as I want and talk. But <laughs> you can say whatever you want. I think we're going to win a lot of games, and we're going to surprise a lot of people at what we're doing. I think the success, ten wins, is, is will not be a surprise to me. Well, congrats with your new post. Yeah, congratulations. That's exciting. Parents, uh, parents everywhere of kids sending them to BYU are happy to hear that that you've got that in place, and and uh, and we're glad Chaz is doing well. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. There we go. Jason I, you appreciate you stopping by. Athletics or Assistant Athletics Director for Football Academics. Appreciate him stopping by here today on Studio B. Coming up, we'll get a poll update, I believe, in our Elite Voice of the Day. Yeah, and uh, today's rise and shout-outs go to two former Cougars. We'll explain. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps today or download the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show. He's Dave. I'm Jason. And our question of the day is this. Assuming BYU wins 10 games in 2022, which streak of 10-win seasons is the most impressive in BYU football history, and uh, I'm happy to say that the Twitter folks still have it right, although the numbers are starting to, to even out uh, a little bit more. It is too close to call now. So Thanks. right now in the lead is still, according to the Twitter poll, is 83 through 85 with almost 46%. But the 20 through 21 and possibly 22 is gaining steam. It's at 40%. Then you have 2006 through 2009 at 12, and then 79 through 81 at just, uh, just under 2%. The Instagram poll, though, Dave, is where you really like 52% for the current Cougars and their current strength of schedule. 37% back to the national championship run of 83-85. Some of your responses on Twitter, at BYU underscore game day, says, I'm in the huge minority here based off of the poll, but I vote 79 through 81. Building that up for the first time ever is probably the most difficult. The 83 through 85 is the most memorable, but that was built because of 79 through 81. 79-81, they were awesome. They were awesome. 79 might be the best team ever, uh, but 84 won the title. All right, our elite voice of the day is presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Comes from at CL underscore living. Says everyone that doesn't have a loss to Utah. Okay, we had to look. The Cougars went 10-1 and combined in those four groups against the Utes. Uh, the one was in 2008. The Utes went to the Sugar Bowl, I think, that year. So that one's on David Nixon. <laughs> You're going to pin everyone that on Everyone else Nix? was clean through okay. there. Nixon, that one... And Brian Keel, that, that, that one's on you guys. And granted, Utah was really good that year. But uh, everyone that doesn't have a loss to Utah, so All right. there you go. Well, today's Rise and Shout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. I'm going to give it to Jay Keeps. Congratulations on the new gig, personal quarterback coach for uh, Russell Wilson with the Denver Broncos. Who are you going to go with today, Michaela Clough, another outstanding former Cougar making noise yes, in the absolutely. professional ranks. She is phenomenal. Thanks to our guests today, Tori McElhaney from Falcons.com, as well as Jay. She was great, as well as Jason Ayu. She'll be back with us in August. She is. She promised. We've got to figure out if we have to draft out here in our fantasy draft. That's true. Conversation continues 24 7, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Hashtag BYUSN. For Dave, I'm Jason. Shout out to Matt Putnam. Go Cougs. <laughs>